Welcome in. It is the Holy Grail BCJ podcast. I am Chad Brendel. He is Dave Simone. And Dave, as we speak, there's football on television. There is. I'm, I'm watching it. I don't care if it's fourth stringers, undrafted free agents, the trumpets are playing, the birds are singing. We, I personally have officially, officially made it through another summer sports hell. And we're back, baby. We're back. Tomorrow, Camp Higher Ground. I will be there in the morning. Um, I'm not sure what the status of a practice report is for tomorrow because <laughs> I, mean, I was originally really, like, what are they really going to do to practice? Report? Yeah, they, they don't do anything on number on practice. Number one, really anyway, but however, uh, you can, I, I initially the, what I was told was that today they were going to report on Friday, the sixth and the first practice was going to be on Saturday, the seventh. So I said yes to a radio shift. So when I get done with Camp Higher Ground tomorrow, probably get some lunch, and then I'll be rolling over to uh, Kenwood to do radio from 3 to 6 on 1530. The good news, Justin Williams will be joining me for the first hour in studio. I'm sure there'll be some tidbits from, from the first day, but it's not like yeah. we're really going to have much to, you know, to dive into. No, but uh, if you can... Listen in, go to 1530.com slash listen, ESPN 1530.com slash listen. You can listen live, or if not, I will have Taryn podcast that hour for me with, with Justin and I. Uh, so you can get some thoughts on the first day of spring practice of, of uh, fall camp. And uh, I'll try to get something up on the board, get a couple thoughts up on the board. I had an interest, interesting thought today. Okay. I didn't have the thought. I saw the thought on the Twitter. I kind of agree with it. You know, there's been this movement to not call the bye week the bye week anymore. You call it the off week. Should we just start calling it preseason practice? Because it's certainly not fall camp. No, it's not fall. It's not even, it won't be fall until like the temple. The end of September. Yeah, the end of (laughs) September. Um, Can we just call it? Can we just call it camp? Camp. Oh, yeah, I'm down with camp. I think there's a movement that's sweeping the nation to drop the fall part. Yeah, a, a camp is fine with me. I'm okay with just calling it camp. Fall camp does sound really dumb because it's not anywhere close to fall. It's barely it is, <laughs> it is literally the exact middle of summer. <laughs> Like you have three months, we are at a month and a half of summer. So we are right in the middle of summer. Um, yeah, camp starts tomorrow morning. So that's that's the plan for tomorrow. Um, I think I only have one other day of radio scheduled in August, which is uh, towards the middle of the month. So I, I don't foresee that being a problem. Shockingly, everybody takes off in the summer. So Chad works a lot in the summer, and then when football hits, everybody is required to uh, to be at work every day. <laughs> well, yeah, so I don't have as many like days. Baseball and football, like the summer is when you take your vacations because you don't want to, like if you're in the business, 
you want to be there to talk about yeah football and the the end of baseball or or whatever like yeah i'm not the biggest baseball fan but like this is the time when there's only that going on so it's easier to get your vacations in now than you know you don't want to take a vacation during football season that's like there's that's like the biggest time to be on the radio yeah yeah so um i work a lot in the summer i don't work a lot in the fall so that, that that's good news for uh, camp reports and things of that nature. Um, tonight, camp preview. Uh, Dave, it's 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 really weird, man. Like usually, there's so much to uh, to get to as we head into camp, and and this camp feels like just like work, like. It's, it's go time. It's time to go to work. There, there's not, I, I don't feel a whole lot of storylines. I don't feel a whole lot of like stuff that's really like meaty for us to dig into as we go into this camp. I feel like it's just going out there and, and getting to work, getting ready for the season. Do you feel that? Like, is that, am I, is my, my content brain broken? Like, no, I mean, like, what is the, Usually when we go out there, there's like a definitive two or three things that that we are dependent on to really watch for the fan base so that th- we can come back to them and kind of answer the, the questions. But like, I think there's like, in my mind, in the, there's kind of two of those things this year one of them i hope we don't ever have to answer so evan prater right i mean my two things are the tackle position john williams dylan o'quinn from your discussion with coach fickle seem to be what they're going to at least start with now camp is two and a half weeks i'm sure especially early we'll see mixing and matching trying to find that best five but that seems to be where things are going to begin. And then my other quote unquote big thing is I want to see if Evan Prater has taken steps from the spring game to now, and then also from the beginning of camp to the end, to of, the end, end right. of camp to where I feel comfortable if he had to play more than one game, less than three. I did not get that comfy feeling after the spring game. Part of that was he played a lot with the twos and the threes against the ones. And it's a spring game. And those guy, a lot of those guys he's playing with are brand new. So that I'm, I'm giving a little bit of a, you know, reprieve there. But can he do enough? in a half if he's called upon, in a game if he's called upon. If it's any more than two games, you know, I'm imagining, like, the cliche, the hopes and dreams cliche, depending on which two games that is, uh, are probably dashed. So, like, I don't really care if he can play for, like, five or six games because he's going to be a freshman out there and it's probably not going to go great in one of those games, at least. But can he just – what kind of steps has he taken from spring to now 
And what kind of steps has he taken from tomorrow till they break for camp? Other than that, like there's things I want to watch, I want to see, but it's not like uh, we need this to happen to be successful. Like I'm excited to I'm excited to watch the running backs because I think there's a lot of talent there and there's a lot of game breaking ability that they haven't necessarily had from top to bottom, uh, at least since Coach Fickle's been here. But like we kind of know what Jerome Ford is. If Chuck stays healthy, we know what Chuck is. Um, we think we have a good idea of what Ryan Montgomery is. We'd like to see more of Ethan Wright. We're getting our first look at Miles Montgomery. So it's not like it's an unanswered thing. It's just I'm just excited to watch them. Um, so there's real. I mean, really, I don't know. Do you have anything else besides Evan and the tackles that you're, like, really going to focus on once we get rolling next week, once they get out of just helmets and, and get pads on and stuff like that? I mean, this is kind of the the, the nerd in me long term. Um, I think it's a very important camp for who's next in the defensive backfield because that's going to be gutted at the end of this year. Right. I don't disagree. I totally agree. But like, but I, I, I guess, mean, just but, but we're not really like that's not a forefront concern. No, like, no, that that's that's kind of part of my point is. Like, that's how fine-tooth combed I've already gone over everything else. And, like, that's something I really – I think I'm going to spend a lot of time on because I, I think it's important for the future. Uh, I mean, unless there's significant injuries to that group, knock on wood, like, you know, I, I don't think it's a, a critical critical mass situation for right now. Um I, I think I'm interested in that dollar slash sniper or whatever you want to call it. Like what is the, um, the rep count between Van Fossen and Deshaun Pace, Deshaun Pace. I, I mean, I, I think that's something that we're going to see play out on the field quite a bit. Uh, Cause you know, that position is going to be on the field unless as Fick alluded to, do they go to more four down, four down linemen? If they go to four down linemen, I think it's going to be at the expense of, a linebacker, if I had to guess. I think that's a fair assumption. Um, but yeah, like, I'm not the gonna, next group I'm at not wide gonna receiver. Be able to put down my uh, my notepad for the third team anymore. No, third team's going to be maybe the most fun we have. This I'm camp. still not. I'm still not charting those plays, but I'm going to pay more attention. Yeah, I don't think we need to know every play on third team, but I do think it's important for us to keep an eye on third team as to uh, who's going to be who's who's making plays, who's stepping up. Is like third team has legit talent. Do any of those guys pressure any the of two like the twos or the one Bs? Yeah, you know, because we the twos would be considered the one. You know, the way they say it, um, right? But are any of those guys pressing for something more than special teams duty? Good question. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know where. Like, I, maybe, maybe Will Pauling in the slot because I think they really like that he gives them a, a stronger, more physical guy in the slot at I times. Mean, gonna, I think he's going to see the field, but like, how many snaps is he really going to get? How many balls is he going right. to get? I mean, like, that's what I'm well, that's like, say, you're not going to put him out there if you're, you know. But I'm saying even if he gets on the field, like he's going to be out there with, with 
other like Josh and right. You know, like how many balls is he going to get? Even if he gets, if he, if he moves up the ladder and finds his way onto the field, but is Will Pauling going to get on the field over Michael Young and Trey Tucker? I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on it, but I think he's going to like, that's why I mentioned him when we talked about a few podcasts ago about like the younger guys, like, I think he's going to force their hand a little bit. I think he could. I think he's got enough talent for sure to do that. Um, not, I don't know. Let's... You know and not that it's like because someone else isn't worthy of those reps, but like fix and those guys have been this way from the jump. Like if you, if you earn it, you're going to get it. Yeah. If you're showing that you can make an impact. We're going to play you. We're going to figure out a way to get you on the field. So, but yeah, I mean, like it's going to be near impossible <laughs> because you, right? your ones and twos are so damn good. But like, I'm not going to be surprised if some of those guys, you know, earn their way out there, especially in week one and two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You'll see some more of them in week one and two, probably than you'll see going forward. Well, Although I, mean, I you go week one and two, and then you go Indiana, Notre Dame, Temple, UCF. They ain't getting out there for any of those games, except maybe, you know, Temple. Temple. Right. Although after UCF, I think there could be uh significant opportunity in a lot of places going forward oh, for yeah. uh for some younger guys to get some burn i mean i, I guess I, I guess the number one thing for me this camp outside of the one or two things that you mentioned and, and we talked about it at, at corner i think it's going to be across the roster how ready are some of these guys because next year it's it's go time for a whole bunch of dudes that aren't getting many snaps right now. Right. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, this is the, this is the old school season of the BCS where the, you know, group of five teams, so to speak at that point, it wasn't group of five, but like then, you know, the non BCS team, had all those seniors and just like put it all together, knowing that next year, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm not saying they're going to be bad next year, but like just as we have basically no questions going into fall camp next this year, next year we'll just this be might, like question this overload. Might, like this might be a two hour podcast next year. <laughs> <laughs> For all the people waiting for a two hour podcast. I still don't think it will be. Okay. <laughs> But I mean, there's going to be significantly more things to talk about. Like, it, it, you know, you're you're going to probably lose Alec Pierce and Michael Young, and you're probably going to lose Josh Wiley, and and you're you're probably going to lose all of your defensive backs and two of your linebackers and most of your starting defensive line and yeah, a good deal of the two deep. And it is definitely a retool situation. Yeah. So. I mean, the ones, like, it's almost like you don't have to chart the ones. Like, it's almost inverted this year because we know the ones. Like, everybody knows the ones. Everybody knows. How many times am I going to have to say, 
Majay Sanders made a well, yeah. Made, it's made like you somebody only, look you only bad. really need to make note of the splash plays, good or bad. Yeah, like I mean, you don't need like it's kind of pointless anymore with this group, especially at the top level, to be like five yard out to Alec Pierce, Jerome Ford off right tackle for six yards. Like <laughs> I'm not doing that this year with these guys. Like not necessary. I mean, you're still doing some form of that. That's what well, I, yeah, but I'm, but I mean, for, like, but. <laughs> no, yes, but like, we don't like. It's just it's ingrained. Like, we know exactly what to expect. Yeah. Um, I, I will be interested to see Des and the deep ball, like how much progress, and not just the deep ball, but more of you know the the longer throws, 15, 17, 20 yards. Um, how does he look on those? How is his decision making on those? Is he getting rid of the ball on time? Um, you know, that's something that with Des, I think, needs to be monitored because he hasn't been great at it. There have been if he's if he has like if you're gonna pinpoint his issues, those have been his issues. Yeah, it's he's missing, he's been it's the missing piece. And if he can push the ball down the field, and and I think we're at a point, Dave. I'm comfortable with that wide receiver in that room now. Are you? Oh, 100%. Now, and we talked about for several years, look, I ain't comfortable with that. Those, those dudes can't get open. In this offense, with the way they are going to run the ball, with the way that you have a mobile quarterback who's going to take some, some plays that, and turn those into running plays, the receiving group is 100% totally adequate totally fine you have a little bit of everything like i have no concerns about that group yeah i mean uh, what's may, what's maybe the biggest concern making sure pierce stays healthy well i mean i we but that's not like an on the field thing like that's not like right yeah you know, i'm just saying like what are what are the, and that's that's through no fault of his own really that he's gotten hurt it hasn't been it's been kind of flukish injuries. It's not, you know, something where you're, he's not Nick Senzel where you want, you know, you're afraid he's actually made of glass. <laughs> it's just that when you're, you know, if he's on the field to stretch the field deep, I think you're going to get a guy that can also stretch the field across from him and Tyler Scott, Michael Young in the slot, Josh, Lenny, the running backs can catch out of the backfield. Like the, the passing game, I'm, I'm good with at this point in time. And I, and it feels like even coming into last year, because that receiver room was so new, we were still like, well, I'm going to need to see it before I really, and, and it took, it took what a month before it started oh, yeah. to solidify. And when, once it solidified, it was fine. Um, but I mean, that's the, we're, you, you've got to fine tooth comb it to really get into you're not looking at general, you're looking at subsets of concerns. Like Des's subset of concern is, you know, the deep ball. Yeah. And I think too, things always emerge. Uh, yeah. You know, so we can go in not necessarily focused on one thing. And then all of a sudden, it, there's some reason that it grabs your attention. Uh, you cannot forget about punter, punt, you know, the punter is the top three thing to watch and that that's when you know like 
you're you're living high on the hog. Like <laughs> top three storylines in camp 2021 Bearcat edition. And it's like punter. Oh, well, if, if that's <laughs> if that's your biggest concern slash question mark, you know. To be fair there, we've been spoiled for four years. Oh, for because sure. Because from the minute Jimmy stepped on the field, it was it was taken care of. And even if you go back and look at that first year, like he didn't have great distance, but every kick was 43 yards with great hang time and no return. So from day one, there was no concern at punter with James Smith. So for four years, it's almost like we forgot that that was even a position. Like when the offense didn't work, Jimmy came on the field. He pinned the team inside their own 20. And the defense dominated. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was a foregone conclusion. I was I was just I mean I always enjoyed it because I knew that that's my you know I could go run and get a beer, <laughs> right? Because uh, you know I knew that there was ninety nine percent chance he was going to get the snap, get the punt off, and it wasn't going to be returned. And the defense was going to go three and out. And by the time you were back from taking a leak and getting a beer, the offense would be back on the field. Yes. <laughs> um, no, that is. And, and Cole Smith has got to step into that. You know, it's not that Cole Smith has to step into the role of being the man because he was pretty much the man last year. I think we need to, to have Cole Smith get to a point where you don't wonder if the head coach is comfortable rolling him out there, right? Because I think there have been questions at times where some of the I stuff Luke has there. gone for on fourth down. You I think, think we're, we're there? there? I think we're there. I, I mean, want to see more consistency in camp. I just don't know. Like, you either – I guess this is me. You either, at this point, are going to – you're either a coach that goes for it from that distance or you're not. Like, I don't really know what else he's going to prove that would change my mind. Like, we're – normally on fourth and whatever from where it would be like a 40 something yard kick. Like I'm always like, I'm always going for it. And Vic has turned out to be a very, very aggressive coach, which I, is kind of not what I was expecting when we, when he first got here. You um, expected three yards, a cloud of dust and a lot of field goals. didn't you? Not, not so much that, but like, you know, you get to like, you see it way more in the NFL, but like yeah. you're on like your opponent's 35 yard line. Yeah. It's a, and it's a, or a 30 yard line, it's like a 47 yard kick, or you go for it on fourth and five. Like he's gone for in those situations way more than I expected him to. And I don't think Cole maybe being a little bit more consistent changes that mentality. Like I think he's still going for it in that situation, especially when you have the, the quarterback and the defense. Like I'm not sure there's anything else Cole does to like start going, nope, we're going to kick 47 yard field goals instead of going for it on fourth and three, you know. I think that's fair. But yeah, special teams is, you know, a legit, like that. that's top and not just, not all special teams. Cause I, I think they're going to be really good on, in kickoff and punt coverage. And I think you've got two guys, um, in Montgomery and Trey Tucker that, that have solidified the return game. Um, 
So I don't think it's like an overall special teams problem, but the two main parts people think about when they think about special teams are punter and kicker. Oh yeah. So that, that's definitely Most something. Fans can like quantify that you, right. You don't really like, you don't really know if your punt return team or your punt coverage team is good or not, unless they're really good or really bad. <laughs> right. If they're giving up, 30 yards regularly on returns you just on like punt never returns. you don't see ever see punts return in college anyway so right um offensively what what do you think let's talk about instead of instead of what we expect let's talk about what will make this offense better than you expect it to be well, in 2021 this is easy. I mean, Dan Brock talked about it when he joined us. We got to hit more shot plays. There's got to be more 20-plus yard plays, whether they're runs or passes. It's, it starts and ends there. The offense in and of itself, the structure, the packages, the formations, the personnel is all fine. There's, there's nothing to tweak. There's nothing like – like, that's the thing is, like, they attempted to hit those shot plays at the beginning of last year a lot. They just yeah. didn't hit them. So it's it's getting the ball in the hands of, I think, I, I personally, I think Trey Tucker needs more touches, however you want to manufacture that. And it's, it's getting more shot plays, and I think another thing too that Des can could work on is it's not is the on the plays like crosser stuff like that. I think he can do a better job of helping his receivers with run after catch and like turn those ten yard throws into twenty to twenty five yard plays. Um, a lot of times last year he'd be high or behind a guy, and he might make the catch, but then he basically would be down right there because, you know, he couldn't really do anything with it. And that's part of it, too. I mean, that's how you turn a 10-yard slant. You throw a, per, a great ball right out in front, and guy catches it on the run instead of slowing down, and he's harder to tackle. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely one another area. I, I think he got better at it as the season went along like he did most everything. Right. Um, right. But yeah, like, especially early, there were some times that even when he was on target, he wasn't necessarily um, leading the guy to, to where he needed to be. And I think at this point, like not saying that you're necessarily going to need it week one and two, but like, I just want to see him. And it, I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily expecting it in camp because you're going against the defense and it's really damn good and and it's still camp. But like, I want to see him just come out like rocking and rolling right away. Like we're to that point now. You don't get quarterbacks in college to stick around this long. I I don't got time to ease into this shit. And I say that from a like not me personally. I don't. What I think doesn't matter one bit. <laughs> but like, let's go. Like, it's time to to put the foot down. Yeah, I mean, I think they understand that too. And I and I think 
like I said, like a, a, a large part of it was just not knowing your receivers. And the one receiver he did know was out in Pierce. So there just wasn't a lot of comfort in those first couple of weeks of last year to, to really make those splash plays. And Dokes is, is outstanding, but Dokes has never really been a, like a real splashy back, right? Oh, no. Ford has that in him. I'm interested to see this, Dave. Are we going to see more outside stuff in the run game as opposed to not that Ford is, is not a, you know, a guy that can thump some, but Ford is not Mike Warren and Jared Jones. No, I would get, I mean, my stupid brain, like, I'd be working on some option shit. Like after seeing that against Army, I don't know that I ever want to see it again. That's why you work on it <laughs> <laughs> in, in the fall. That's and again, well, that wasn't Dez's fault. That was, was the two wide receivers that let a guy but, run right through. But uh, but like yes, off tackle, toss sweep, like you got all these tight ends outside read option. Right, like you got all these tight ends. Put Lenny and Noah Davis on the right side or the left side. Toss it to Jerome Ford. Seal the edge. Get block one wide receiver, like or block one DB. You're guaranteed like five six yards every single time. Yeah. If you don't have like a massive breakdown. Not wrong. Not wrong. I mean, it's. I. Just thinking of I would like to see them get more creative in the running game because, and you know, I'm not saying this is carryover, but like we have not been good going on consecutive seasons of the and and it's the weird part is because I feel like we're strong interior, especially pass blocking, but like we just haven't been good running the ball up the middle. So stop. I thought they got better once they made the changes inside. They did. They got better, but they still aren't good at it. Mike Warren was pretty damn good at it. He was good at breaking tackles that most players <laughs> still weren't good at. That doesn't mean they were good at it. It means they ran Mike Warren up the middle and he got a lot of yards. But how many of those times were like bounced out, hit, should have been tackled, bounced outside, you know? A couple here and a few like here that. and there. But no, I mean, here and there. you're gonna if you're gonna have more explosiveness in your backs, more of a speed back element, those guys like use them in space, don't run them between the tackles. I think that's the interesting thing is I don't know who the between the tackles like guy is if you're running up the middle a lot. I mean, I think it's Montgomery, but it's really yeah. I mean, I, uh, who as else a power guy, who, well, it's not Jerome Ford. Maybe Ethan. I mean, Ethan Wright's 6'1", 215. But I'm not putting him in in front of the other guys initially. We'll see. What, we'll see at camp, man. I I got I said, a sneaking that's why I said suspicion. Initially, I got a sneaking suspicion that Ethan Wright's going to be hard to not get on the field for a certain number of snaps a game. Well, sure. On third and one, you can put him in for all those third and ones. <laughs> I'd still give it to Des and just have him sprint to the side, <laughs> sideline. 
But now I'm getting yeah. now I'm getting PTSD from the Peach Bowl. So let's move on. I was gonna say, you sure you want to do that? Yeah, yeah. I do because we would have won the damn game if they did that. Except they decided. Except you know what happened happened. Whatever. It can't be, yeah, it whatever. Can't be changed. Calm down, Dave. <laughs> Don't take us that far off the rails. No. Um, defensively, how much impact does Mike Tressel have on this season? I don't, I don't think want, we're talking I don't much want to about say, Mike Tressel. I don't want to say none, and I don't want to say a lot. I don't really know. Can I? Can you? Is that a thing you're allowed to say anymore? Like, if you don't know, can you just say you don't know? Or oh do yeah, I'm have, a big fan of it. I, or do you like, have to just make some proclamation? You know, I take a lot of crap on the radio for my I don't knows. I don't know. I have no idea. How could I possibly know? I, I, you can you can give your opinion. Well, I mean, how much is he going to pr- blitz? Right. Like, what's his what's his aggressiveness? What's because his? I felt like that was a big boost to the defense last year from the year before. They got way more aggressive. Yeah, I think the year before Freeman still didn't know what he wanted to do with the three three five, and maybe and that fine. is. A, I mean, right? Maybe that is a concern with Trestle because it's not something he's run. So he's going to be uh, also new to running a lot of three three five. Assuming that they do. Right. So it's like, how much does he run three three five? Not being super comfortable calling plays against certain formations in it. How much does he then kind of revert and want to go back to more of what he's familiar with, which I wouldn't blame him for. Like, and you have the dudes to do it. You want to just call, you want to call a defense that you're not familiar with Colin, or you want to call a defense that you are like, I'm not going to blame him. If he's like, I'd rather run more four down. Cause that's what I feel comfortable with. Like when this offense puts this personnel in the field, I know exactly what to call. When I got four down linemen, I'm not sure what to call when I got three. Yeah, and I think some of that, too, is also going to be luxury uh, decisions based on your opponent, right? Like, Well, yeah, and you're also shopping in the, uh, you know, Wegmans grocery store chain versus, like, the pick and save. Yeah, not calling Michigan State pick and save, but like you got the finest meats and cheeses (laughs) a a college football defensive coordinator can ask for. (laughs) So maybe that makes your decisions a little bit easier because you know your players are so damn good. Yeah, I mean, whether they're in a four down or three down, I just want to see a lot of pressure because one, they're all experienced, like they should be able to cover for each other. And two, I just don't trust college offenses outside of the elite of the elite to be able to handle pressure. Yeah. Like, I don't trust college quarterbacks to be able to make the right decisions with pressure. Like, I know we've seen got, it with UCF, right? I know you've got great defensive players and they're always in the right spots and they make the right plays, but like, don't give a quarterback two seconds when you can give them one. Yeah. Don't give him that extra beat to, to have a guy find a way to get open. Yeah. Or to, to find a safety valve. Right. Yeah, that's that that's the interesting. Like you're gonna see a lot of checkdowns against this defense. 
And if they yeah, because they're not going to test the corners, and they're not going to have time for the longer routes to develop because the defensive lunch, if they're doing what we expect them to do, are making plays. So like that's why I, that's what like I'm blitzing the linebackers like all the time because I just trust my DB so much. Like what do you what play are you going to run that's going to hurt you see if I'm pressuring you all the time? True. Not all the time. Like we're not doing like yeah. Third, I know what you're saying. Third yeah. and Tenuta, like when he was at Virginia. <laughs> third and Tenuta. But like. <laughs> 35, 40% of the time, like that's a, that's an extremely high pressure rate. Yeah. When teams are also tasked with blocking Maje Sanders, exactly. Malik Van, Jawan Briggs, Curtis Like if Brooks. you send Beavers over the outside shoulder of Maje, what the F is a college right or left tackle going to do? And what's a running back going to do? Right. Because then you have to shift so much protection to that look that, like, what is Malik doing? What is Curtis Brooks doing? What is Juwan Briggs doing? Like, these guys are – I mean, like, somebody's getting singled up every play, no matter what the offense does. Because they're not going, like, old Big Ten style, like six, seven guys in max protect on every play. It might be best. Well, then you have no shot of moving the ball down the field, though. Like, you got a (laughs) one-man route, two-man route. Against Sauce and Kobe and, and the safeties. And, and the linebackers still. like I Yeah. Mean, <laughs> this defense like, is going to be fascinating. I would love to be able to talk to, like, an opposing offensive coordinator to just be like, no shit aside, like, how do you honestly attack this defense? Like, where are the pressure points that you're like, here's where we can make – Hey, not like here's where we might be able to hit a big hit a play every now and again, but like, where do you come into the game and go, okay, here they are weak here, like they can be exposed here, they can be exposed there. Like, I just don't know where that is. I don't think anybody does, right? Like, Like, it it used to be, and this was always my concern with the 335 because we saw it against Memphis two years ago. And we saw it against UCF, like with their little fast running backs. I always felt like with the three-three-five, you were giving away rushing yards to the outside on first down. Because if they if they slipped through, there wasn't going to be someone there. But they kind of shored that up because, like Darian Beavers is a freak of nature running sideline to sideline. Van Fossen plays like an insane person sideline to side like those lanes just weren't there for teams last year and granted UC kicked the shit out of pretty much everybody so they didn't they were throwing more times than not but like even the UCF game last year and even a little bit the UCF game at home the year before like they did not get exposed you know they gave up a couple like 20 25 yard runs I remember at home um two years ago but like it was not as bad as it was or as bad as I had feared. So like, if, but you also have to run that offense where you got a bunch of guys out wide and you can then slide your good running backs in there. Like who's, who has that? Yeah. I mean, where, 
And that's the thing. You talk about pressure points. Where where do the big play? Are you going over the top on Sauce? Are, are is your number two really good enough to beat Kobe deep? Well, what are you doing? You're just a two three step drop and arm punting it. Like if you're trying to throw the ball down the field, you've got to have some time. Yeah. So if you protect to give yourself time, that means their safeties are unoccupied. So they're basically what? waiting for you to toss it up there. We, we've, we've seen this be the theme of Bengals camp. And I actually think it's a good thing that the offense is struggling week one because it means the defense isn't a complete piece of shit like it has been for years oh, for the Bengals. I mean, At I'm what not... point do we... Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I mean, it's not, it's not a Bengals podcast, but like, what did people expect? Like the guy that hasn't played since November... Just going to walk out there and be slinging it for 350 and four touchdowns. That's exactly but, what people expect. Well, well <laughs> I should stop giving people so much credit for being semi intelligent. At what point over the next seven days do people freak out because the offense is struggling to move the ball? I would hope nev- never. <laughs> Because you know it's coming. This is the best defense they would play all year by by leaps and bounds. This is the best defense on paper. I shouldn't say leaps and bounds. Indiana will have a pretty damn good defense. They they will. They've got yeah a linebacker and a DB multiple corners that are that are very good. I shouldn't say leaps and bounds, but they're still not as good as UC's defense. This is the best on paper defense in UC football history. Well, that's not even like, I, I, well, yeah, because last year's was the, the best, and now this year, <laughs> right? <is the> best. <laughs> oh, now, okay. you know, is that should people worry about safety at all? No. Okay. Well, why? Why? I guess tell me why. I, because why because because it never in the history of UC football have they graduated everybody, both starters at a position and had them be drafted in the NFL, and the result that everybody is is looking at is, eh, we're good, not worried about it. Well, Nobody's concerned not, about have, safety at all. I have a whole they year. Lost, they lost the best safety duo in school history, and nobody's worried about safety at all. No, I'm not. Okay. The main reason is because is you've got a lot of – Film on the two, using air quotes, new guys. This isn't like a thing where, yeah, we lost Forrest and Wiggins, but now these two other guys, have, we couldn't pick, point them out of a lineup. I mean, two years ago, Javon Hicks had the most turnovers in the conference. He was all conference at safety. <laughs> Brian Second Cook's team, right? Gonna, you know, have to be careful he doesn't go to jail for manslaughter this year because he's going to kill about three players, if I had to guess. Like, he's literally going to kill a guy. He's he's so aggressive and he looks so like fast. The, he looks like the predator. I, I, I've said it a million times. He terrifies me. And he's going to kill a guy. Like, just, just at Squad Fest, Dave, just seeing him walk around. Don't you get shivers up your spine when he walks past he you? Never, he never smiles. He does. But only yeah. in, in very only select after company. after he kills the guy. <laughs> I, 
I have seen him smile um, after practice like twice. But like against against you know, and I'm I was drinking beers and didn't go back and like really dig through the tape. But like against he might have been the best player on the defense against Georgia. Did you did he look out of place? No, he might have been the best player on the defense. I don't know. Arquan had a hell of a game. Arquan had a hell of a game. But the hits, some of the hits and some of the plays in space oh, yeah. that Brian Cook made were phenomenal. But like the only reason I wouldn't say Arquan is because Pickens beat him deep a couple times, which wasn't really the fault of Arquan's. They just chucked it and Pickens made a two yeah. absurd catches that were so far out in front of his body that the DB couldn't have done anything about no matter who the DB was. No, and Pickens I feel bad for the guy he tore his ACL this summer, but I mean he's a first second NFL wide first receiver. second round NFL draft pick if he's healthy. So and Arquan found out 45 minutes before right. the game that he was now going to go play outside. But no, I don't right. have any worries about those two guys. This con- I mean, this is just kind of going back to last year, like where we, every week when we would talk about the upcoming game, we'd be like, okay, is this team, how's this team scoring 21? Okay, they're not. All right, well, then they lose. <laughs> right. Like we, we kept kind of being like, they can't keep playing this good until finally we realized like, yeah, actually they can because they are that good. Can and will. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, I don't – yeah, the defense, like, it's going to be fun to watch, but, like, I'm not I'm not going to flip out if it takes a while for the offense to do anything against them. Like, you have to look at it, too. Like, even with the new guys that are coming into the defense, they've been here. Like, they've – played like Tyvin Fawson went in in the military bowl. yeah these aren't new guys so like they're gonna yeah. come in and even though there's a new defensive coordinator and there's gonna be some newness to it like they've all played a lot a lot of football together like they're gonna roll out there tomorrow and next week and just like know exactly where to be know exactly where the guys next to you need to be like and we saw that in the last couple of years like you're everybody remembers like how many busted coverages. Right. And that was more, I think towards the end of like Tuberville's deal, but like it still happened at the beginning of fix regime. Like there's no busted coverages anymore. Are you kidding? Yeah. You're going to get beat up on the sidelines. If you, we just won't (laughs) play because there's another guy to come in that won't allow that. Right. So, but no, to your point at the beginning, like I don't think I would worry about it at all if it lasted all of camp. Yeah. Fick, Fick gave I, me three. I also don't expect it to. Like the offense also has a lot of good players and a lot of guys that have played together. And like I think there's gonna be a healthy amount of back and forth. Um well, after, here's what after we saw week, after week one. I expect the defense to kind of, you know, wreck shit the first week. Here's what we saw at 
in spring ball. The offense would have like a dominant stretch for like two, three periods. Like they had one day in seven on seven where a ball didn't hit the ground and they smoked the defense for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And then like the defense huddled up and that was it for the rest of the day. (laughs) Like that's, that's, we're going to see a lot of that. I think where the offense will find some rhythm in the middle of practice or at some point in time and they'll get moving and then the defense just kind of says, okay, that I hope you guys had your fun, but you're not, you're not doing anything until tomorrow. And I think we'll probably see a lot of that again, the same as we did in the spring. Right. Fick gave me three guys he expects to be, and his idea of breakout is obviously a little different than mine. He gave me three guys that he expects to be uh, quote unquote breakout guys this year. Josh Wiley, who some people think is a first, you know, a second round level draft pick. I mean, that's an interesting breakout player, like a top 10 tight end in the country. (laughs) I think he means though, we're going to use him more. Uh, I sure hope so, so, coach. (laughs) He gave me Darian Beavers. That who, one I'm more that one I'm more in line with as true like breakout from like a, a league perspective, national perspective. Who, as I said in the, the video today, the part three of our sit-down interview, and, and I want to touch on something on that in a minute. Um Ryan Royer's Heisman candidacy. That too. Um by the final three, four games of the season, Darian Beavers was one of the, the elite guys on this defense. Yeah. Like by by the time he really started coming into his zone at the end of the season, who was better than Darian Beavers over the final three or four games? Maje and, and Sauce, and, and those are first yeah. first second round type picks, and then Brian Cook. Yeah, was his was his third breakout guy? If you had to pick three breakout guys for this roster. And let's exclude the three that Fick chose. Okay, okay. Who are you picking? Uh, let's see. We'll, we'll draft. We let's just, draft. Let's just draft. defense or offense and defense? Offense and defense. Remember, he picked Wiley, Beavers, Cook. Okay. it's hard, you know. Let's draft. You can have first pick. Uh, okay. Ty Van Fossen. I, I like the pick. The only the only reason I will give a little bit of uh, hesitancy there is it might very well be Deshaun Pace <laughs> because I think they're both going to play probably. How do you know that's not my next pick? It might be. It might be. I'm just saying, if he's your number one pick, he might be splitting 50-50 snaps with, with a guy that, that could just as easily be a breakout guy. Yeah. I'll go Tyler Scott with my number one pick. Okay. I can see that for sure. I, I, I just think that kid brings a speed, athleticism, dynamic ele- element that they have lacked from that field wide receiver. You know, everybody, number one guy, the boundary guy is the guy everybody talks about, right? They haven't had a good, when's the last, it's been since that class with, Chris Moore and you know um 
Chisholm. Johnny Holton and, and Alex Chisholm Morrison. and Max Morrison and Shaq, uh, Shaq Washington. Like that's the last time I guess Devin Gray had a year, his first oh, yeah. year opposite Khalil Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the last time they've really had that number two guy that you felt like can, can get shit done. Yeah. And I, I think there's going to be a lot of attention on Pierce because he's the guy that can beat you deep and go and make catches and, and make those big splash plays. There's going to be a focus on the tight ends. There's going to be a focus on Michael Young because he's so reliable. I think Tyler Scott, because he's the new guy, finds his way open a lot and becomes kind of a, the, the breakout guy on offense. All right. I'll see your Tyler Scott. And I'm going to go Trey Tucker. I, I don't hate it. I, they're going to have just, to. I, 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 you know, this will be a, com- a conversation maybe, you know, we're lucky enough to have because he is so nice and talks to us. Like, I want to talk to Denbrock at higher ground. Like, what is your plan to get him the ball more than just run real far downfield and we'll throw it to you? Because I think – He's way more than that. Or jet, like jet sweeps. Or jet sweeps. Kind of a... Like, can, can we run any normal pass routes with him? Or is that just not his game? Like, how do we get him the ball five to seven more times? Like, attempts. Not saying true yeah. touch. Yeah, I would love to see him get five to seven true touches a game. But, like, wh- where is he fitting into this game plan and offense? Because, like, I feel like it's kind of been underutilized. Um, Cause I think he is more, a, more can be more of a true receiver than he's been, than he's been maybe allowed to show. Maybe he has shown in practice that he can't be, I don't know. I'm, but I would test the limits with, with a guy like him. I just, we saw a little bit of it, it at Marshall a couple yeah. of years ago. Um, but I just that's that's my guy that I would be working hard to figure out how to get the ball in his hands more. It just always seems to to make something happen. No, he does for sure. And put I mean, him, like, put him like, in the in the freaking backfield, hand him the ball. I've been interested in that too. Like, and maybe not even hand him the ball, but use him in in routes out of the backfield. Is he like a little bit smaller version of Mike Boone? He's definitely right up there in strength with Mike. Like he's not he, 225, but like Mike was a great receiver. Yeah. Uh, I mean, do you do some stuff with him in the backfield and really screw up some defenses? Yeah, motion, motion him. Motion him into the backfield, then he flares out and you throw it to him real quick and he's got it on the running start. Like, where is Dan Brock? Get him on the pod. I The idea is they're cooking. We, we need to revolutionize the Cincinnati offense, and it's all based on Trey Tuck. Right now, Mike Denbrock is at Camp Ground getting ready for practice. Well, you can, t- you can take this to him tomorrow. Okay. Play it for okay. him, and, and we'll see how it goes. But that you're, coming, Tuck, you're coming out this weekend, right? I, at some point? This, I can't come out this weekend. Oh. I, got a, I got a lot going on. Um, in the morning? What yes, are you doing actually, at 9 o'clock in the morning? Playing golf. What else would I be doing? <laughs> Of course, that's what the answer is. You're coming out Monday because you don't have anybody to play golf with you. At Mon- Monday, Monday and, and Friday of next week. And we'll see what, maybe if I can swing something else in there. Um, 
But yeah, so he would be my number two. My number two. Oh. Uh, I'm going to go. This is a tough one. Like, this is a tough one in terms of, like, significant. Because well, everybody. Guys, how everybody's many guys already are broken out. Right. Like, everybody's everybody... already broken out. I'm going to go Lenny. You're going to go who? Lenny Leonard Taylor. Damn you. That was mine. I, you know, he gives you that second tight end. He looks like a, a, an inline tight end, <laughs> but he's got great athleticism. He's got great hands. He's physical. I think he's grown up and into a, uh, a much more important role. And uh, I, I think opposite, especially when you've got him and Wiley on the field together, everybody's going to be looking at Wiley then I think Lenny can make some plays, especially like, I think Lenny can be a huge red zone threat. Well, yeah. At six, what? Six, five, 250 pounds. What do you, what do you do? Can you put like another Denbrock question? Can we see more of like Josh split out with Lenny as the inline tight end on that side? I mean, I think we'll see some of that. Yeah. Like these are the we'll see some of that. that like, we can now really watch for at camp. Um, see how often it happens. I just there's like so many mismatches because they have like a little bit of everything. They do. It <laughs> it's so fun. It's so yeah, fun he, to like. There's was, so many he toys. Was definitely my my number three guy because you're gonna have. Like, like you said, like you're going to have all this attention on other people. Yeah. And it's almost going to possibly get to the point of like, well, we got to keep throwing the ball because he's wide open all the <laughs> time because they're doubling this guy or they're shading this guy or they're bracketing this guy. Like he's got some slow ass white linebacker trying to guard him. Why is the white guy got to be slow? Because all the white line, who are the fast white linebackers? Ty Van Fossen. Yeah. He's one. <laughs> okay. Your number one pick. Yeah. Pick he's the, on my you, team. So I don't have picked, to worry about him. Pick the white linebacker first. So I don't have to worry about him covering Lenny. He's on his own damn team. Oh, I love it. All right. Uh, this is this is crazy because we're just trying to pick six names that people don't know, and we're and even and people know these names, but we're just trying to pick six names that haven't made a big impact yet, and we're running out of options. Okay, so I got a I, I'm down to my last one. Yeah, so I'm down to your last one. My third pick. And by breakout, let's by breakout, let's 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 define the criteria. Uh, potential. Like, all-conference player. Oh, so that yeah, way it like, brings the linemen into play. Like, if you got, like, a wide receiver, like, top five catches or touchdowns on the team. Like, not, like, six catches for a buck ten and a touchdown or something. Right. Right. Or, like, people that we – like, in the Trey Tucker case, like, someone that we feel like could be utilized more in a different way to where they would – "Quote unquote breakout and be more right. than what they have been to date." Correct. Correct. 
You got one pick left. Oh man. I got did I do I just I don't know. We've we've had this back and forth on who we think. Uh and I want to go with Sammy, but do I go with Bumpus instead? I don't know. Todd Anderson. <laughs> There's going to be a point that one or the other. My only concern with that is Shep is in front of them. One, I, okay. Name the cornerback that we don't know if they're any damn good yet. One of those guys. <laughs> one of the backup corners. One, one of, of the, the backup corners. One of the four, and that's Justin Harris. Sure, throw him in there too. Issa Jarman. Now now we're getting too far. Like, if he sees the field, we got issues. Saw saw the field as a freshman, and we didn't expect that. We had issues. (laughs) Fair. That's why I just said, if he sees the field, we got issues. Fair. It's nothing against his ability. (laughs) So, one of Jaquan Shepard, Sammy Anderson, Todd Bumpus, and Justin Harris is going to have a breakout year. Sure. (laughs) <laughs> because who's that who's that next guy like some somebody like you can't we're not just realistically going to be like sauce kobe and arquan just cover everybody for the entire season and make all the plays and never miss a play and and nobody else in the defensive backfield that's a corner makes a play all year here's my concern i think with that pick dave is that if something knock on wood god forbid happens to one of the outside guys Arquan goes outside, Taj Ward goes to the slot, and those guys don't get on the field still. They're, they're, they'll make their way. It's they're, nuts. But that, that oh, furthers our point. It's right. nuts. Yeah. Taj, be... Taj Ward is the is the Desmond Ritter of the defense. <laughs> I think he, I think he lay, lined up next to Haruki Nakamura <laughs> when they played Virginia Tech in the in the in the Orange Bowl. <laughs> like I that guy's been here. Literally, like forever. <laughs> he he is on the Dave Simone school plan. Like, get that extra football season. Like, he's gotten it. I think this is only his fourth year. I don't think he's taking an extra year. There's no Taj Ward. I think Taj Ward has only been here four years. I think this is year four. Let's, we're gonna. I do don't some... think. I don't think he was in that Kobe class. I think he was in. 2018, right? I think he was in the 2018 class with Malik and those guys. Yeah, he, he's in eight, 18. Yeah, this is only his fourth year in college. He's in the same class as Van Fossen, Maijay, he's been Mets, Arquan he's, Bush, Malik Van, Josh Wiley. <laughs> I think it's Alex Pierce. A very unassuming but very solid career. Like he's he's played from his freshman year. Like he played, yeah. But like he's just never been like the the standout. Like made a ton of plays, but he's always. I think here's the thing: why it feels like Taj Ward has been here so long is because anything anytime anything has happened in the secondary, somehow the end result is Taj Ward is on the field, right? Whether it's at safety or at nickel or at, like. 
something happens to somebody, and the end result is Taj Ward. He's been very versatile. He has played all over the defensive backfield, that's for sure. Yeah, I think that's why it feels like, like, you know, James Wiggins get hurt, gets hurt. Well, that we end up seeing more of Taj Ward. It, he wasn't Javon Hicks, but somehow Taj Ward got on the field. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's fascinating because I, I, it did feel like when you said that that he was in that seventeen class with Kobe and and Der- Defoe and those guys. But no, he was in eighteen. He came in the same time as Javon Hicks. And we don't feel like Javon Hicks has been here forever. No. It's funny, <laughs> but but you're right. Uh, my yes, third I'm going pick. with I'm going with the pick a corner, any corner. Okay. Does Taj Ward fit into that? No. Okay. Any outside corner. Pick a corner, no, any outside Justin corner. Harris is a slot. He could still he's played outside. Yes. He's but I think you know. If, but yeah, so I'm going with the, with those guys. Like the next, the next, not I'm not going to say the next sauce, but like the next, yeah, the next guy to kind of make a push his way up. So, Jake U Hardaway is your pick. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, he is definitely not. I'm going with John Williams. It's a good one. I I think he anchors left tackle. I I think he. <laughs> Can, can we say he better? He better. <laughs> he better. But I, I think he steps in there. I, I think he's mature beyond his years. I think he's a guy that gets it. I, I, you know, I, I, I think. Okay. I don't mean to jump in, but like, are we not, are we not giving that position uncertainty with him and with who, like if he doesn't play well or if he gets hurt, like what's next? Are we not giving that enough like serious like here's the oh, funny thing? Sh- oh shit, attention. Here's the, fu- here's the funny thing, Dave. I think we're just saying left tackle is the biggest concern and not talking about it. Right. Like tackle is the biggest concern. We did it in this fucking podcast. Tackle's the biggest concern. And we haven't talked about tackle at all. The whole We've no, like like an hour and 10 minutes. Yeah. We haven't talked about it at all. Why is it a concern, Chad and Dave? Because Harper and Hudson are gone. And we don't know who the, like, we don't know. And we still don't know. There's, we're still waiting to find out if Tunstall gets a waiver. Because yeah. he's, he's now on his second transfer. We have not heard that he has been cleared by the NCAA for this season. Luke mentioned that in the, the, the video series. They're still getting him through that. They're still working on that process. So we don't, we don't know that answer. We better hope that it's that Tunstall and Dylan O'Quinn are the answers at tackle. Because no, John Williams and John, John Williams, sorry. John Williams and Dylan O'Quinn are the answers at tackle because we don't have an answer on Tunstall. And the, the, the fourth tackle was a quarterback 18 months ago. Yeah. <laughs> Is it kind of like who's the backup center? It's very much like who's the backup center. I think fortunately we feel good enough of, from what we've seen. I almost went with Jake Renfro as my breakout guy, but he can't be a breakout guy. He was like first team, all, he was first team freshman All American. 
there were some places that had him freshman All-American. I made the case for him to be freshman All-American on 24-7, and they they didn't they didn't they didn't bite. Uh, I think they were wrong, but they didn't bite. Um, but yeah, backup center is is definitely a question. I think like here's the thing. I think it's so funny because I what I think we're doing is there's so much depth at guard that I think we're just projecting that into the whole line. We're just, well, we're also just like assuming, Oh yeah. One of those guys can snap. Cook's going to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure one of them can do it. We have no (laughs) idea if they can or can't, or if they can do it well. Well, it sounded like from, from what Fix said that Gavin Gerhardt is potentially going to be that backup center. Okay. Which would, I would assume mean that they've been working with him extensively on that uh, of late, but you know, it's, it's difficult because yeah, like there, there, there's a lot of stuff that we could talk about at tackle. Like there's a lot of what is the answer? What is the, you know, the, 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 the final way that this plays out, I expect it to be, John Williams on the left and Dylan O'Quinn on the right when when they take a team snap tomorrow. And we'll see where it goes from there. Like, that's going to be what I'm going to spend most of my time talking about. And the problem is they might be really good. And they're going to get their ass kicked for the next two and a half weeks. Yeah. Because on one side is Jay, On the other side is, is, is Malik. And Jawan Briggs is floating back and forth in between. Mm-hmm. So they might be good, and we might be talking about how bad they suck. And we talk about Juwan Briggs, and yet we don't talk about, like, Curtis Brooks and Marcus Brown, who just also happen to be back. And Jabari Taylor. who was- I think Curtis Brooks could have a huge year. I do, too. I think whoever plays on the interior could have a yeah. huge year. <laughs> There's so much attention that's going to be paid to those outside guys. Right. Even with only three linemen. Like, there's so much attention well, that's going to be paid. You have Jawan Briggs, and then you have two, and I'll throw Jabari in there too, three grown-ass men. Yeah. Like, grown-ass men. Jabari could, Taylor lifted, squatted more than anyone on the roster. I just mean, like, from an age and experience standpoint. No, like, but I'm saying, like, he is, in terms of, like, squat fest, Jabari Taylor won. Yeah. Squat fest. <laughs> and, and, and we talk about him behind Curtis Brooks and Marcus Brown. We haven't talked about Justin Watley and Eric Phillips and all the meats, crazy, and, man. all the meats and cheeses, <laughs> all the meats and cheeses, all the meats and cheeses. We haven't even talked about Rob Jackson. God, I feel nope. I feel bad for whoever the third offensive oh, line is. Oh. Going up against Z and Rob. Oh. Those, 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 poor, those poor souls. Well, if you think about it, Dave, think about it like so one, two, three, and, and you'll have a one A, one B with Curtis and Marcus and, and Jabari will probably be the two that'll get a lot of rotation, one A, one B. Um this roster, oh, I'm looking at something different than what I wanted to look at. Let's see. Who would – Isaiah Ruffin is still on this roster. Oh, yeah. the third team defensive line is going to get to try to block Dante Corleone. Yeah. 
All 340 pounds of him. 335, Dave. He's listed at 335. Okay. <laughs> Dominique Perry, who I thought was really good in spring football, 6'2", 288. He's going to be going against those third-team centers. <laughs> Hope those kids have life insurance. Poor Brady Lichtenberg, right? Poor, poor Jack Perry. <laughs> poor Jack Perry is not poor, sir. No. <laughs> There's a lot of things you can say about Jack Perry. Poor, it's not one of them. Um, Lichtenberg will be interesting. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's your he's your break in case of break glass in case of emergency. Right. Well, I mean, he's your like next year, like you and Evan. Yeah, that's a full on camp battle, I would think. So I wouldn't like. I don't think. I mean, unless Evan plays great in this spring or this this you know this preseason camp or gets into multiple games and plays really great. I don't know why you would go into next year thinking just automatically thinking that it's like his job. No, he, he's uh, going to have to win the job. Yeah. For sure. I mean, it's, you've got, so, and you're going to get rep. He's going to get reps because we don't have a lot of quarterbacks and you have to think that they're not going to give like, I would imagine they'll not give Dez a ton, ton of work for that reason. Like you're very experienced. Um, we don't have a lot of depth behind you. I don't think we need to play you like every day. Like I would expect rest days for Dez. I don't think Dez will allow that. I mean, I, I think he's, he's going to be really out there. Decision. Um, and he might not, yeah, have like, but he might not have like a true rest day, like where he doesn't work at all, but like, Right. There's going to be days where he does not participate as much as others. Yeah, for sure. You'll have three walk-ons for camp. (laughs) Jack Perry, Jacob Hoying, who his family is very close with with Luke's family. He's from Bishop Watterson in Columbus. Uh, And then you'll have, uh, for camp, we'll see where this goes, Cameron McCoy who is uh, joining as a walk-on out of just a crazy situation. So we'll see. (laughs) I'm I'm interested to see that one over the next couple of days. He has not been with the team uh, committed as a walk-on basically this week and is meeting the team basically at higher ground. (laughs) Hey guys. Yeah. Not going to be an easy easy two and a half weeks for him no i wouldn't think so So. um but they'll be they'll be at least at least like at at, at spring ball it was des evan and jack perry and that was it yeah so you'll have lichtenberg you'll have two other walk-ons like you can spread the love around somewhere where des can get especially in those like you know, the one-on-O's and some of the one-on-ones, you can work in some other guys and keep Dez's arm pretty fresh. Sure. But I'm guessing most of the time that they're in 11-on-11, 11 11, Dez is going to be under center with the ones. Yeah. Although, I guess the interesting part is if you think back over the four years that Fickle's been here, the number two has always gotten basically equal reps with the ones where they'll switch. 
Yeah. The the starter will go with the ones, then the backup will go with the twos, and then they'll switch. And the backup will go with the ones, and the starter will go with the twos. Do mm-hmm. we see that with Des and Evan? Maybe that's you, the storyline. I think you have to. And like, you do too, because you, you got to get Evan ready. You got to get Evan some snaps with the ones. Like, you have to. And you probably have to get Lichtenberg some snaps with the twos. Yeah. So that part will be that part. Of, we did find, you know, that part will be interesting. Um, I don't know. I, I think we're you look like you're about wiped out. No, I'm good, you're, man. You're yawning. Are you OK? Yeah, we're creeping up towards that hour and a half. I don't want to. We're not getting anywhere close to two hours. No. I have to get up in the morning and go to higher ground. Of course we're not. Um. I don't, I, don't really have any, I don't really have anything else football-wise. I mean, I'm just ready to get to camp and get this thing rolling. I did want to say, I hope everybody enjoyed the, the camp preview series with Luke. Like, I can't express enough how unbelievably rare it is that a head coach lets a site like ours do something like that, right, Dave? Like, you follow this. Like, it's yeah. impossible. It is, it is uh, not a normal thing. So not 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 a normal thing. It is an unheard of thing. Yeah. Like that is usually in in ninety nine percent of the places you call and ask for something like that, and you get laughed at. Like, uh, yeah, you want an exclusive forty minutes sit down with the head coach? <laughs> Go fuck yourself, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like. Yeah, you heard it. You heard it on the broadcast on the 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 AAC media day thing. All the the reporters that are like, well, the parts of practice we got to see. Yeah, like they're not even allowed to go to more than like ten minutes of of camp or spring ball or anything. And we get every practice every day. We have to keep those nuclear codes secret. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it was funny reading, like I was reading some stuff, you know, with Tennessee, they started camp this week and Hypel yeah. basically said like, it's, it's open season. Like we want you guys to get to know, like you're our conduit to the fans. Like how do the fans supposed to know the coaches and the players if we don't ever let them talk to you? A lot of, you know, they'll let coaches talk or they'll let players talk, but they don't let the media like see anything. Right. Nobody's allowed, you know, inside the circle. (laughs) Nobody's allowed access to like actually view anything. And the access that we get, man, that's always been like my biggest fear, like with with coaching changes, is that one day one of these guys is going to come in and just be like, that we're doing it like everybody else and you guys get, you know, the first 15 minutes of practice, 10 of which is stretching. The other five is uh, guys running into each other at position drills. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see you at the end of practice uh, where you interview everybody. And we have been very lucky not to, uh, not to have to deal with that. Uh, yes. Um. Closing, the only basketball note I've really got is uh, I do believe there is progress towards an official visit for Daniel Skillings. 
Um, what I will say on that front is if you happen to be on campus and you happen to see someone that looks like Daniel Skillings walking around, say hi. <laughs> Tell them how much you wanted to be a Bearcat. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge on if you happen to be on campus. Uh, I do think this staff is um, very excited to be able to get kids on campus during football weekends because that's not something they really had the uh, luxury of at UNC Greensboro. And they are, uh, they're pretty pumped up about being able to, to show off like what this community looks like in support of the Bearcats when it's, when it's full blast. So. Yes. If you see him at the game, if you see him at the game, chant his name, like do all that, you know, make the, make the kid feel welcome. (laughs) He's really good. It's really good. Don't have any much. Uh, every uh, basketball is kind of on vacation right now until yeah. the semester starts. Workouts are done. Weight room stuff is done. Things will pick back up when uh, when the semester starts. They'll get back to their eight hours a week, four hours in the weight room, four hours on the court with uh, the coaching staff. But for now, the recruiting window is is closed, and the workout window is closed, and guys are uh, getting a little downtime after a a busy summer so that's kind of where basketball is at i don't have a whole lot for basketball right now All right. and if you and if you want to know about what i've hinted at a couple times i i'll tell you when i can right now <laughs> the answer is still i can't so sorry <laughs> i think that's it dave i thought we'd struggle to get to an hour and we're, we're pushing like an hour 20 so we we milked enough out of this camp preview that uh, I think we're good. I appreciate it. You appreciate what? Doing and getting out of here? No, I just appreciate being on this podcast every week. You you appreciate football being on your television as well. Yes, you it was it was an exhilarating three nothing first half between the Dallas Cowboys and Pittsburgh Steelers. Woo baby! I I've got the Reds on because I got radio tomorrow. So after we do an hour of uh, Bearcats, uh, I'll still have to to get some Reds talk in. So uh, I've been kind of paying attention to that and not the football game. But when I've well, seen highlights on Twitter, anything. it's like the, the there's like a fumble or some kind of sack or uh, disastrous play yes. like every other clip. Yeah, good stuff. Check out Brent's previews of, uh, of camp. Check out the interview uh, three-part series with Fick. Previewing everything. Check out the BBP. Obviously, thank you to listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed. I think we have crushed the lead up to camp. I don't think anybody has been anywhere even remotely close to covering the lead up to camp, including the inquirer who couldn't bother to show up for media day yesterday. <laughs> Shots fired. Come on. You can't show up to a 30 minute zoom. I guess not. I don't, I don't want to rant on it, but you can't, you don't have somebody that can show up. I don't care like who you've got covering what, you know, you're, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. You can't show up to a 30-minute Zoom with Luke Fickle and two players to ask a couple questions. Hey, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. I mean, I am complaining. I just think it's a joke. It's good for us. We've known that for how long. I'm I'm totally fine if they want to keep 
not covering the university's of record in the city football program. Like, I don't care. I know. It's great. It is great. I just, I, you know, I think it's weak. Well, yes, but it's fine. Yeah. They've demonstrated weakness for the 16 years that, that I've been doing this. So it is what it is. That's going to wrap it up. <laughs> He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. We'll see you next time. It's the Holy Grail. We're back. Bearcat Journal podcast. We are back on bearcatjournal.com.